Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... Now, before you think, okay, Pastor Jim just said I'm supposed to leave here and be dumb as a rock. I never have to pick up my Bible again and I don't have to worry about any of this stuff. The Word of God over and over, and if you read the book of Proverbs, we went through it verse by verse last year, could not be more clear that every follower of Jesus Christ should be pursuing hard after wisdom, but we will never totally understand the work of God. You may be out there listening today and think that God is confusing or that He seems so out of reach. We are to choose to have a relationship with God, and then we can seek Him. Pastor Jim will show us in Ecclesiastes today the difference between striving and seeking. In seeking Him, it will grow our desire for knowing Him more, and our moral compass will change. God isn't trying to confuse us, but if we knew everything that He knew, He wouldn't be much of a God, now would He? With that in mind, Here's Pastor Jim with part one of his message entitled, If I am going to die someday, what should I do now? All right, Ecclesiastes 9, verse 7. Go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already accepted your works. I've got a plan. I have a plan to make millions. Anybody want to get in on the ground floor? Go ahead, just slip up your hand. Slip up your hand. No, don't yell at me. Slip up your hand. You're greedy. <laughs> the rest of you are just skeptics. <laughs> so that's the thing with being a pastor. You, could just, you can't win, right? There's always, there's always something wrong. So here's my plan. My plan is to sue Google because Google lied to me. The other day I was playing around with Google, and I typed in this in, my, in the search engine, how can you always know what God is doing in your life? And it came up with 353 results, and it said that if you want more, you can add some more words into your search, when they should have said, sorry, no results found, because you can't always know what God is doing in your life. Here in Ecclesiastes, we have a a gentleman by the name of King Solomon. He's either the writer or it could be a later autobiographer writing about some of his teachings. The the richest man on the planet at the time, the wisest man at the time, lived about a thousand years before Jesus, often a skeptical man, and he's been trying to figure life out. What he calls life under the sun, life on earth. what's, What's life really like? And he can't figure it out. Now, some of you might not like that. I like the fact that the wisest guy in the world can't figure life out. I don't feel so bad that I can't figure life out. And today, and you want to talk about a challenge for a pastor or for a Bible teacher, today for the sixth time in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes is wisdom literature, that's the genre of the Bible that it is, for the sixth time, the Bible writer is going to tell us Enjoy the life that God has given to you. Now, let's be careful. 
That's the life that God has given to you, not the life that somehow you think that you have to have or the life that you want or you would be happy if you had it. It's not just what you want to do. It's living out the life or the path or the race in faith that God has laid out before you. Now, that's important because the Bible writer of this book keeps telling the Bible readers of this book, presumably the original audience was young men, young uh, up-and-coming leaders, but then God's people later on and certainly us today, the Bible writer keeps telling us we are all going to die. We're all going to die. And we've been going through this book together with a series of questions that we're asking of the text. And the question today and the title of the message is, well, if I'm going to die someday, what should I do now? If I'm going to die someday, what should I do now? As we've been saying, Ecclesiastes is a tough book to outline. The chapter divisions are probably not always the greatest. They were put in later. They're not from the original writers. So we'll try to give this some sort of an outline. Number one, we'll have three points today. Number one, wisdom has its limits. You should still pursue it now. Wisdom has its limits. You should still pursue it now. Uh, Go back to chapter 8, verse 16. He says, When I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on earth, even though one sees no sleep day or night. Now, that could be he's been trying day or night to figure out what the world is about. It could be, it could maybe saying people are so busy that they, they don't even... They're working day or night. They don't even care what life is about. And before they know it, their life is over. could mean other things. We're not really sure. Verse 17, look what he says. Then I saw all the work of God that a man cannot find out the work. So he just told us that we can't find out the work of God, right? He says, that is done under the sun here on earth. For though a man labors to discover it, look what he says, yet he will not find it. So that's Twice he tells us you can't find it out. Moreover, though a wise man attempts to know it, he will not be able to find it out. We left off last week with why do bad things happen to seemingly decent people while it seems like the rotten eggs get away with murder sometimes? And yet three times... In one verse, the wisest man in the world says, no matter how wise you are, you're not going to figure everything out. No matter how spiritual you are, you're just not going to figure it, all the work of God out. Why? Because wisdom has its limits. There's only so much wisdom you might have and I might have, but eventually it's going to butt up against things that are unexplainable. Now, before you think, okay, Pastor Jim just said I'm supposed to leave here and be dumb as a rock. I never have to pick up my Bible again and I don't have to worry about any of this stuff. The Word of God over and over, and if you read the book of Proverbs, we went through it verse by verse last year, could not be more clear that every follower of Jesus Christ should be pursuing hard after wisdom, but we will never totally understand the work of God. Now, 
occasionally you will run into someone who wants to tell you that they have figured it all out. What do you do? Run away! (laughs) Run away! Or perhaps you bought a book and it tells you from some fellow who says, I've figured it all out. What do you do with that book? Burn it. Whoever said burn it wins or was that the last service? Because you think, well, you know, I'll throw it away. What if the garbage man gets it? (laughs) Right? Or you think, I don't want to waste a bad book. I'll give it to my friend. What, do you hate that friend? (laughs) Right? No, you want to burn that thing, right? Why? Because God has put limits on what we can know. So we try to discover as much as we can, right? But we have to accept the fact that there's going to be certain things we will never be able to figure out. Let me give you a portion of Scripture, very, very helpful in this regard, very popular, very well-known. Isaiah 55, 8, 9, God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens, right, over the sun, are higher than the earth, under the sun, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. What is he saying? God's ways, as strange as they seem sometimes, let's be honest, right? There we said it. Okay, well, it's out in the open. God's ways are vastly different than our ways. God's ways are way beyond our ways. I was thinking about this the other day, driving around thinking about that, about how God's ways are so different than our ways. And I was just sort of like observing the world and things that were going on. And I was like, thank God for that. You ever feel like your brain is so full of stuff it's about to explode? Like your head is just overwhelmed with so stuff. It just went so, and I'm thinking, God, if I had like one bazillionth, is that a number? Um, Of stuff in my head that you have in yours, my head would explode. And so thankfully, God doesn't do that. Now, that's not, doesn't sit well with American culture. Because in American culture, we want all the answers, don't we? We expect all the answers. Everybody says, you know, oh, when I get up to heaven, man, I'm going to have a few things to say with the man upstairs. If you've been here before, you know my imitation of everybody talking to the man upstairs. You can see it on that old show, The Honeymooners, Ralph Cramden going, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. If you can even get that out. We, we want those answers. We want, we want to know what's going on. We have an expression that's not totally wrong, but it's not totally complete where it says knowledge is power. God says, no, I have ultimate power, and I'm not going to give you all of the knowledge. We're Americans. We want life how? Easy, comfortable. Bible comes along and says, no, I'm not going to make your life easy and comfortable. I'm going to do, God says, I'm going to do what I have to do so you can know me more intimately. And that's where you're going to find your true joy and your true satisfaction when you seek to know me more intimately. God wants us to learn to fight the fight of faith. So what does the Bible do? The Bible comes along and says, encounter this in Philippians. Rather than constant worry and anxiety, trade it for prayer. Rather than constantly trying to figure out what in the world is going on, trade it for faith. Instead of trying to do your own thing all the time, trade it for for trust in a good God who has a good plan. Now, is how we live important? 
It's amazing how many Christians want to have that conversation that it doesn't matter how we live. I'm always like, I don't know, man. Your Bible must be missing a lot of pages because it's definitely important how we live because the Christian life is not just about going to heaven. It's about what we become along the way as God is changing us. God is sanctifying us. That is part of the miracle of of salvation. Again, we said it before in Ecclesiastes, we cannot fall prey to reading our Bible like the horoscope. People say, you know, I read a verse in the morning and then I read my horoscope. Eh, Not good. We we cannot read the Bible like it's some self-help book. No, we read the Bible because it is the way we come to a satisfying knowledge of a satisfying and trustworthy Savior. Now, you might say, well, okay, that's fine, but I'm still afraid something bad's going to happen. A lot of people are afraid of that, right? Walking around all the time. I said, remember when I was a kid, I would be worried about something, and my mother would go, what if the sky falls down? Now, stupid me, I'm like, hmm, what would that be like? But she's just just playing with my head, right? Well, we'll look at chapter 9, verse 1. He says, for I considered all this in my heart so I could declare it all. Now, look at this. That the righteous, now let's stop there for a second. Who are the righteous in the Bible? Well, partially it's the way people live, but ultimately it's the people who've put their trust in God that he has made righteous. So if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you've never put your trust in God, really glad you're here. I hope to get to know you. I hope to become your friend. I try to talk to as many people that I don't know after the service just to find out where you are with God and where you want to go in, in your relationship with God. He says here that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. You should probably underline that in your Bible. Because you know what he just said? That all the evil that happens to you if you are a follower of Jesus Christ is somehow in the hand of God. Somehow he has got his hand on that. Remember, we've talked a lot of times about Romans 8.28. You know, that verse always sounds great coming out of your mouth, but not so great going into your ears, that God works together all things together for good. You know, you're going through a bad thing, and your friend's like, oh, remember Romans 8.28? And you're like, yeah, I'll eat Romans 8.28, you. Give me a hammer, man. I'm going to clock you, man. But, but really, it doesn't mean that bad things are going to somehow be good. It means that somehow all things work together. Remember the illustration we've used? It's like, like cake. We all like cake, right? Who likes cake? I'm trying to get you guys alive. Who likes cake? All right, you like cake. How many of you eat just flour, you know, cups of flour? You don't. It tastes terrible, right? But somehow God takes the ingredients of the cake and mixes them all together and makes cake. So maybe your bad experience is just the flour, right? And so he, he, he's working it all together. And so he says here that all your experiences are somehow in the hand of God. Loved ones, we have to continue to preach that message to ourselves over and over and over. Because all the other voices are thinking it's bad, I'm doomed, it's over, it's not going to happen, you know, I'm I'm lousy, I'm worthless, or, or whatever it is. All the other voices that we allow into our heads, mostly from us, right? Who's the most influential person in your life? You are, right? We're all the most influential people in our life. These other voices come in and we have to preach to ourselves that we're in the hand of God. 
So he says again that the, the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. He continues, and because here's the problem. He says, people know neither love nor hatred by anything they see before them. Remember, he's talking about righteous people, so he's talking about believing people. Here's our problem. We don't know God's motivation for what he's doing in our lives. We don't, we don't know why he's doing it because we're limited in our wisdom. Let me give you an example. You ever hear anybody say something like this, or maybe you've said it. God is punishing me. And of course, if you're a Christian, you're, you're trained with your answer. You go, no, no, God loves you. He would never punish you. The Bible writers come along and you go, God's punishing me, do you think? And they would go, I don't know, what'd you do? <laughs> you know, could be. Why? Because the Bible writers are, are not you know, cheesy prosperity teachers, like on the TV, that are, that are like, well, you know, if you're healthy and, and wealthy, it's because you've you got enough faith and you're living the righteous life and you're doing the right thing and God's so happy with you. And if you're poor, right, let's, the ushers will come forward and take, we'll fix that right now for you, right? If you're poor or you're sick, they want to say, well, something must be really wrong with you. No, the, the Bible writers have their theology completely straight. They'll simply say, listen, I can't always figure God out. But, and the but is so important, I can't always figure God out, but I know I'm always in his hand. That I know. I have no idea what he's doing, but I know he's got his hand on me. I know he's caring for me. That's the confidence that a Christian can have. What's going to happen, a Christian can say, when I die, I don't know, but I know I'm going to be with the Lord. Well, how's everything going to go down? I don't know, but I know I'm in his hand. Now, in the Old Testament, the hand of God often referred to a picture of, his, of God's power, of God's strength. You know, they would pray for that the hand of God would come upon the enemy or the hand of God would, would rescue them. In the New Testament, though, I think it even goes further, and we think of the hand of God as the, as the nail-pierced hands of love as God reaches to the world in the person of Jesus Christ. But what's love in our culture? It's gross, isn't it? It's this gushy Hollywood emotion. When, when in the word of God, it, it has a lot to do with acceptance, that, that God loves, God accepts people through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you've professed faith in Christ, your, your concern is not that God accepts you. It's not, your concern is not that God loves you. Your concern is not that God's hand is upon you. It's how we respond to God because all those things are true. And then even when bad things come our way, we accept them because we know that we're in God's hand. doesn't mean it's going to be easy. You know, and after you trust in Jesus Christ, you, just not, you don't just trust in Jesus Christ and walk out and leave forever. You, you and I have a part in our faith. We have a part in it growing. You're doing it right now. If you're just here punching your religious clock, sorry, eh, no good. We're here to worship God. We're here to learn about God. We're here to have God quicken who he is to our souls 
And as our faith grows, our wisdom grows. And as our wisdom grows, as we perceive how much more we are loved by God. That's why the Bible has to tell us we're sinners. So we see the love of God in Christ on the cross. As our love of God grows, as we perceive his love for us, as our faith grows, as our wisdom grows, we accept the limits of wisdom. We accept that we have limits on what we can know and what we can figure out because we say, I understand that I have limits, but I understand that God's love has no limits. And he loves me even though right now it seems like he's grinding me to powder or it seems like nothing is going my way. Number two, death is certain. Pursue godly enjoyment now. Death is certain, pursue godly enjoyment now. Verse two, all things, another version says a common destiny, all things come alike to all. One event, and that event would be death, happens to the righteous and to the wicked, to the good, the clean, and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As is the good, so is the sinner. He who takes an oath, as he who fears an oath. What is he saying? Everybody dies. Everybody dies. Verse three, this is an evil in all that is done. There's that term, under the sun. This seems wrong here on earth that this happens. That one thing, uh, another version says, the same fate happens to all. Truly, look at this, truly the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil. So we're all indicted there, right? That's sin. Madness is in their hearts, while they live, and after that, they go to the dead. Now, the Bible teaches that we all disobey God, and the result is death. Again, the love of Christ will seem more real to you when you realize that. You might think, oh, that's ruining my self-esteem, but no, 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 no. It's, it's teaching you how to properly think about yourself in relation to God. So we all disobey. The result is death. Now, there's obviously degrees. The pushback is, well, I haven't killed anybody yet, right? (laughs) You know, I don't steal too much. (laughs) You know, I'm not as bad as other people. The Bible says, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. So the fact is we all die. You love Jesus, man. You love Jesus. You read your Bible every day. You pray, right? You give money to the poor. You give money to your church. You serve in the church. You help people. You know, people respect you for the way you live. Guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to die. You're going to die. Others, people hate God. Selfish, crooks, murderers, thieves. Guess what's going to happen to them? They're going to die. They're going to die. Cheesy TV preachers, guess what? They're going to die. No matter how much they tell you, I got enough faith, they're going to die, right? It's going to happen. Death has been called the great equalizer. And notice how God in the Bible is so benevolent in letting people wrestle with that, wrestle with the inequalities of life. Because because here's the thing, we never arrive. The scariest thing God could ever do is allow us, while we are still alive, is to arrive in our faith. Do you realize how bad that would be? No, God wants us wrestling with this book, wrestling with it, 
trying to, trying to get to it. What is he saying? What's he doing? Figuring it out. Because as we wrestle, as we work out, we get what? Stronger. Stronger. Verse 4. But for him who is joined to all the living, that would be what? That would be people who are alive. How many of you are alive? Just checking. How many of you are alive? Most of you. Most of you. But for him who is joined to all the living, there is hope. You're like, praise the Lord, this depressing book, there's some hope. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us on today's edition of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Would you like to hear this message again? Simply log on to our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. There you can listen to archive broadcasts, load our mobile app, as well as listen to Pastor Jim's easy-to-follow verse-by-verse teaching on much of the Bible. You can also request a CD copy of this message in its original, unedited form on our website. If you would prefer to write to us, our address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. That's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Or you can give us a call at 973-659-3380. Once again, that's 973-659-3380. Changed by Love is sponsored by listeners like you. We are so thankful for your continued support and prayers that allow us to bring our show to you on this station. Make sure you tell your friends and family about Changed by Love on this station, as well as how to listen to Pastor Jim on our website and mobile app. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching through the book of Ecclesiastes. Glance at the clock right now, and please make plans to join us next time to be encouraged, comforted, and challenged by the Word of God. You are all a blessing to us. We hope to see you next time here on Changed by Love.